A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Let's ride. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to The Incline. The Dodgers have advanced to the NLDS. The good news is they didn't get eliminated by the under 500 Brewers. The bad news is they're in the round that they got eliminated last season. So all that hard work against the Brewers, I guess, you know, it was kind of a waste of time thanks to Rob Manfred. The Brewers proved. I kept thinking of this every time David said it. Joking like Brewers podcast, we're just talking about how the Brewers are going to try to score a run. And ironic enough, they only scored two runs, which would be one run a game. And that literally came on one play via Orlando Arcia's two-run home run. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone obviously knows the Dodgers had no trouble with the Brewers at all. Clayton Kershaw had his finest postseason outing ever with a career-high 13 Ks in the postseason, eight shutout innings. So what's up, David, and what's up, Jake? How about you guys give us some thoughts real quick about this past series, and then we're going to talk about the new one with the crosstown rivals in San Diego, the Padres. Um, yeah, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back. Um, luckily, the Dodgers still have not lost a game in the postseason, and I think the two biggest takeaways for me in that series were, one, obviously, Clayton Kershaw, um, that was one of the best outings I've seen from him, not just in the postseason, but in his entire career. Uh, and it's nice to see him, you know, shut up a lot of the postseason haters. That moment when he told Roberts to go back in the dugout was priceless. I'll never forget that. Uh, and then secondly, Julio Arias uh, was lights out. And I think he was the reason they won game one uh, and ultimately won the series. Uh, so if they can get outings like that from Arias going forward, this team will win the World Series, period. Uh, I think he's the X factor going forward. I really do. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this series versus the Padres. 
I really love that moment with, uh, with Kershaw and Roberts because it wasn't like a malicious moment. It wasn't like Kershaw being like, get back in the dugout, you know, like a, a Madison Bumgarner getting fired up on the mound. This was right. like a 32-year-old, I've been in the league for 13 seasons, I'm pitching lights out, and don't worry about it, I got it. And he proceeded to pick off the runner at first that he walked, and then he struck the next guy out with the very next pitch. So that was just vintage Kershaw. It was so great to see. Doesn't even matter that it was against a terrible Brewers team. But overall, I just think that this new format is just garbage. It's just terrible. The fact that the Dodgers won 40 games, they had the best record by far, and they had to play a two out of three, essentially a play-in game, a play-in series to get to the, to get to the divisional round is just ludicrous. And then on the other side of things, you've got the Houston Astros who have no business being in the postseason, they get past the twins in two games and the twins season is just done. Uh, it just absolutely makes no sense. It infuriates me. I'm so happy that the Dodgers made it to the division around, but then of course now you, now you're facing the second best team in the national league yeah. because the Padres are, were seated fourth. So it's 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 annoying and it's also a five game series as well so that's a, you know it's a short series as well um but one of the one of the takeaways that i had uh you touched on urias and you touched on kershaw david but one of the uh guys that i wanted to highlight was mookie betts holy moly this guy is as good as advertised this postseason he's three for seven 429 clip three rbis in one walk and all three of his hits were doubles if not for him the dodgers wouldn't be scoring as many runs obviously but he is the key part of this lineup and he's showing why he is the mvp of this team and the mvp of the national league the one other point that i want to make though is that this offense does need to pick it up because they were three for 12 with runners in scoring position over the over those two games and they left a total of 10 men on base and then the other stat that's just uh, atrocious is that the dodgers three four and five hitters which were justin turner max muncie and will smith went a combined zero for 19 in that series so hopefully those guys get it back on track there's another guy worth mentioning. I'm very proud of him. It's my boy, Austin Barnes. Yeah. You mentioned Mookie Betts getting that one of those doubles that led to two runs, actually. If Mookie Betts didn't get that two-out single as the nine-hole hitter, we might Barnes, not get yeah. that Mookie Betts opportunity. So Yeah, huge at-bat for Barnes. Very proud of Barnes. That was a Yeah, I think both his hits that game actually came with two strikes as well. He really was working the count, was not backing down to Woodruff whatsoever, who got tossed – he was already going to be taken out by council, but it was just kind of funny that he got tossed because he was arguing. Yeah, that's an alpha move, by the way. If Woodruff <laughs> ever wants to come to the Dodgers, he's more than welcome to because I respect the hell out of that move. <laughs> and, and, he, um, and he was completely wrong, too. And, yeah, it's just behind the plate, really in sync with Kershaw. It was great to see. what The last thing I wanted to mention real quick, then we're going to dive into this NLDS series. The Dodgers pitching staff overall is coming in as rested as you could possibly ask for. I mean – in game one, Bueller went four, Urias three, Trinan one, Jansen one. And then in the second game, Kershaw went eight, went eight, and they closed it out with Gratterall. So that means guys like Kelly, Baez, Caleric, Floro, who didn't make the NLDS roster, but Gonzalez. the wild card roster. And yes, Gonzalez, they're all coming in very fresh. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage on the San Diego Padres, who had to use a lot of their guys to just fight and claw their way past the Cardinals. 
So let's dive right into this. The Dodgers, best team in baseball, of course, 43-17. and 17. The Padres are 37-23, and 23, which was second in the NL West, but second in all of the National League, like you guys mentioned. And it is kind of annoying that they didn't flip the seedings around. You know, the Dodgers should be playing the Marlins, in my opinion, since they are the sixth seed, but it is what it is. So let's talk about these offenses first. The Dodgers, second in baseball at OPS. Padres are fourth in OPS, so these are two power clubs. Dodgers first in home runs, Padres fourth in home runs versus left-handed pitching, which is relevant because Kershaw and Urias are two important lefties. Both these teams are actually hitting 250, so it's a tie there. And then these are also both the best two teams in terms of batting average and success with a full count, which is a very random stat to bring up, but I think it's important to mention as well because you don't want to blow those full count opportunities. You definitely want to get on base one way or another. So those are the two teams and the Padres. This is a very important stat as well. On the first pitch, they lead all of baseball. They're hitting 408. So our guys have to come prepared to not throw them any things right down the middle or any fat off speed pitches, because that's where the Padres really do their damage. And this is also one of the best teams when trailing the Padres have the most comeback wins of any team in baseball and they're hitting as a team 281 when behind and with runners in scoring position the Padres are also first hitting 310 while the Padres are or the Dodgers are second at 291 so why don't you guys dive into it what's on the offensive standpoint from either side are you looking into well here's the thing and and you pointed it out which were which was the fact that the Padres are an amazing team coming from behind they have a lot of comeback wins they showed that in the wild card series against against the cardinals they were down a game they lost the first game and then in the second game they were down six to two going into the bottom of the sixth and then from the sixth inning through the eighth inning they scored a total of nine runs they wound up winning 11 to nine tatis jr hit two home runs myers hit two will myers hit two home runs and manny machado hit one home run so they are a dangerous, dangerous lineup. No lead is safe. So when I pointed out that the Dodgers really start, need to start hitting, they need to put up some big numbers. And we'll get into whether or not uh, Denilson Lamette or Mike Clevenger will pitch. That's, those are huge, two huge question marks. But even if they do pitch, I'm not too worried about it because they are coming back from injuries. And so they're going to be monitored, I'm sure, and they may not have their best stuff. So that's, that's good news for the Dodgers. But we, we have to be wary of this lineup because top to bottom, it is, you know, in a lot of categories like Kevin just rattled off, better than the Dodgers, if not the same. And the Dodgers have, you know, a little bit of an advantage here and there. So we, no lead is safe. We got to run up the score whenever we can. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's basically this series is going to come down to offense in terms of the Dodgers. If the Dodgers, you know, hit like they did during the regular season, they'll win the series. Uh, but, you know, if like the three, four, five hitters went, go 0 for 19 again, then the Dodgers are in trouble. So, and the Padres are coming in hot. They, they really are. The offense is coming in very hot. They hit 304 in that series with the Cardinals with a 928 OPS. Uh, Fam went three for uh, six for 13, Cronenworth five for eight, Tatis five for 11, Myers four for 12. Um, so these guys, it's one to nine, they're all threats basically. Uh, so this is going to be tough for, for Dodgers pitching. 
Uh, we've seen Dodgers pitching handle them, and we've also seen them, you know, not handle them. So it's just a matter of who, we're, what we're going to get for these these specific games. Uh, thankfully, a five-game series, there's a lot more room for error than a three-game series. Um, so if they falter one game, they'll they'll be okay. Um, but falter two games in a row, you're you're in big time trouble. Uh, so yes. it's gonna be it's gonna be very very anxiety provoking the entire series. Yeah, so we already have a solid sample size, and I know you guys will go more in depth with some stats shortly, but they've played 10 times, which is more than enough games to kind of have a general idea of how these teams match up. Dodgers won overall six games to four losses, and they outscored that Padres team 48 to 38. I can flash back to about three weeks ago or so when we were previewing the last four-game series with the Padres and I know Jake wasn't trying to say like this was to prove who the better team was, but he was kind of fired up for this series and felt it was very important. And I, on the flip side was like, this series doesn't matter the outcome. Well, now the tables have really turned because I'm on your side. This series obviously counts for everything and it will determine who the best team is because they're playing the best of five. So uh, back to the hitters, you know, the guys that obviously stand out are Tatis Jr. and Machado. Well, like you said, Tatis and, and Machado, you know, they're both righties. So I think our right-handed relievers are going to play a huge role in this series. I think you're going to see a lot of Trinan. I think Flora will be absolutely used uh, on the roster this time around. I think Gratterall will be used. I think Baez will be used. Uh, and then, you know, they're pretty, you know, Myers le- left-handed. But overall, they're, they're pretty right-handed based, um, you know, which doesn't necessarily – hurt the Dodgers, but it doesn't necessarily help them either. Uh, I think guys like Kalerik may not have a huge role in this series. Uh, but basically, what it comes down to is keeping Tatis and Machado at bay. It's, bas- it's that simple. The Padres live and die with those two guys. Uh, they're going to get contributions you know, from Myers and Cronenworth here and there, maybe Hosmer. Um, but overall, uh, it's, it's, you shut down Tatis and Machado, you'll win the series. Yeah, and and the two of them have that swag too, and and definitely they feed off of each other. Exactly, as well. they they feed off of each other. Once one of them gets going, the other one follows, and then the rest of the lineup seems to follow along as well. So they are a very momentum based team, and so in order to shut that down, like David was saying, you've got to keep those two guys at bay. And we have a couple of pitchers that can do that quite well. We know that Kershaw, Bueller and Kershaw are going games one and two. Hopefully, Urias will be in sort of the similar role that we saw him uh, in game one, piggybacking off of Bueller. And Roberts was talking about May and Gonsolin as two guys that could come out of the pen in either game one or two and use those as sort of bullpen sessions to ramp up for them to actually start one of these games. But if you take a look at Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin, they have had great success this season against this Padres team. And when you take a look at Dustin May, who versus Manny Machado, Machado's hitting 267 against him, four for 15, a home run, a double, two RBIs, and two strikeouts. And the two strikeouts that we saw were just absolutely filthy. I mean, just tied Machado up in knots. Yeah, two seamers to the face that he swung at. Yeah, so I'm look. I'm definitely. I definitely want to see Dustin May in this series. And then versus Tatis Jr., 
he owns Tatis Jr. This at least this season, Tatis Jr. is hitting one one for twelve against May, a double, an RBI, and four strikeouts. And then Gonsolin against the same two guys, Manny, Manny Machado is one for six. That's a one sixty seven clip and two strikeouts. And Tatis Jr. is zero for five. So those two guys you're going to see in this series, whether or not they come out of the bullpen or they start, um, Roberts has not announced what his game three starter will be, but I have to imagine that one of those guys will get the nod. Yeah, yeah. and you, you can't help but wonder you know, or, or worry about the possible overexposure that these Padres guys have seen of May. Uh, I mean, May's basically, he's made two starts in a five-inning relief appearance, Gonsolin two starts. Uh, so while they have both pitched very well, the overexposure level is somewhat worrisome because, you know, when they first appeared in games this year, they, the Padres had never seen these guys, uh, but now they've seen them twice or three times. So it is a, it is a tad concerning, uh, but the numbers dictate that they should have success. Well, it's yes. not like it's not like May had you know one great outing and then got absolutely shelled the next time. You know they they had they've had multiple outings against this team and they and they did pretty well each time out. You guys said overexposure and feeding off the fans. Well, they literally did that the other day when oh, man. it looked like the Padres had won the World Series for the second time this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When they were flooding the streets of downtown San Diego, and there they were, Will Myers and Fernando Tatis Jr. and whoever else, high-fiving the fans, acting like this was the biggest achievement in San Diego history. Well, I don't know if that was a smart idea, but we don't have to... And they almost got knocked out by the freaking Cardinals. Like, it was so, so dumb. But the reason I bring that up is for a quick question from Matthew Zimmerman at Zimzy on Twitter. How annoying is little brother Padres Twitter going to be? I mean, I know David has a lot of firsthand experience. With that. Yeah. I mean, these guys just find me. Uh, they come out of the woodwork and they just find me. Um, so for me personally, it will be very annoying. Um, I've said it on this podcast before. The Padres are that kid who grew four inches over the summer and can now ride the roller coaster at the amusement park. This is their first time in however many years since the Rutherford B. Hayes administration that they've been in the playoffs, that they've had success, that they've had a superstar talent like Tatis. So yes, they're going to be obnoxious and annoying. Um, and it would be wonderful if the Dodgers could shut them up um, because I have receipts up the wazoo uh, and I really don't want to hear from them if the Dodgers, if the Dodgers get knocked out. Um, so to answer the question uh, on a scale of one to 10, I would say about a seven. Yeah, they're, they, they're going to be annoying. They, they've already been annoying. And the last time the Padres made, made it to the postseason was 2006. So it's been 13 or so seasons of just absolute failure. This is the first season where they really have a decent team together. And lo and behold, all the Padres fans are coming out of the woodwork. And, and to that point about not playing in front of fans, if you remember, the Dodgers fans show up in huge numbers when they play in San Diego. So they're also missing that too, that sort of just that hatred from the Dodgers fans at Petco Park is just overpowering sometimes. You got the Pantone 294 crew coming in with the big flag and disrupting everything. So yeah, well. I, I don't know that, that, that home field advantage would mean so much to them. Obviously, they would love to have their home crowd there. But in terms of Twitter, I just 
I just want them to win something because they've actually never won a World Series. They like to say, oh, you guys haven't won one since 1988. Yeah, well, we've won six. So you've won none. Yeah, and I don't so, get that argument from them. Like, how, how can they say that? It makes I no sense. I don't know. Someone I, I told me, know. like, were you even born during the last Dodgers World Series? And I was like, no one has ever been born when the Padres won a World Series because it hasn't happened. It's a, right. it's, it makes no sense. It's the same kind of argument that you get from Clippers fans when they're feeling all high and mighty with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then they get knocked out by the Denver Nuggets. So it's the same kind of That's not feeling. a bad comparison. The two teams, the Clippers and the Padres this year, that's not a bad comparison. Hopefully yeah. it's the same result. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I hope that we can just hand it to them in three games. That would be so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Dave Roberts last season made the huge mistake of playing to win in five, which ultimately backfired. This season, I hope they play to win in three. It sounds like they are. Because <laughs> his, his quote about Gonsolin and May and Urias maybe being out, used out of the pen makes me feel like they're playing on a game-by-game basis. Which is the, the way to handle it. I agree. And speaking of home field advantage, which – won't really exist in this series. They are officially in Texas where they're playing at Globe Life Stadium or Field, whatever, in Arlington. And I don't have a lot of data on this ballpark, but the one stat Dang. I can read to you is this is not a home run hitting park whatsoever. They were 30th in baseball. It was like half a home run per game. So we're going to really see how the ball travels in this brand new arena. I, I want to say one thing, and I don't know if it has any meaning whatsoever, but this was the ballpark where Tatis Jr. hit that grand slam on the 3-0 count that basically lit the fire underneath the Padres, That's and they true. went on a tear towards the end of the season. Yep. It was the birthplace of Slam Diego, and hopefully this is where Slam Diego dies. <laughs> So the other thing I was going to say, the format is also a little weird, but makes sense, I suppose. The Dodgers will have the home team setting first, so they'll bat second the first two games. Then it will be San Diego the next two if they do go to a fourth. And then the fifth game, the Dodgers are back to being the home team again where they'll bat second. Just final offensive stats I'd like to read off real quick. Manny Machado – you can't throw this guy a fastball where he's going to hit it. He's hitting 346 against the fastball, but against breaking ball pitches, he's hitting 211 and 297 against off speed. Fernando Tatis Jr. was batting 295 against fastballs, but he tends to struggle a little, a little bit more against off speed and breaking ball pitches, 266 and 250 against changeups. Um, and then overall, Will Myers is the other guy who's kind of sneaky. Not the greatest fastball hitter at 262, but against off-speed pitches, he's hitting 333, and he's had a resurgence this season. So don't sleep on Will Myers. And then, you know, that's it I want to cover. But the last thing I'd like to say is Trent Grissom is a douchebag, and I'm not on the side where I think his showboating was, you know, unsportsmanlike or uncalled for. I think that was totally acceptable. But if you want to act that way, then prepare to be slandered and made fun of because – this guy is on a cold spell since showboating against Clayton Kershaw, and hopefully that carries over. Yeah, so, um, so should, we, should we talk about some Padres pitching now? Let's, yeah, let's do it. All right, so I think the latest update from, on the Clevenger front was that he threw a high, 
high-intensity bullpen session on Sunday night. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't pitched in, I think, two to three weeks, and he, re- he received that cortisone injection. Uh, so to me, it sounds like he's on track to pitch and possibly start game one. Uh, after that, there's no news on, on Denilson Lamette. Uh, and after that, it's Davies and hopefully Chris Paddock, which would just be a feast for the Dodgers offense. That's the, that's the starters they're, they're probably looking at. Um, I think Clevenger goes, and I, if I had to guess, I think Lana's not ready. That would be my initial take. I was looking up the stats of Dodgers hitters versus Chris Paddock, and I was smiling from ear to ear. These guys absolutely destroy this guy. I mean, Mookie well, Betts has a home doesn't run. doesn't right now, frankly? Max Muncy has a home run. A.J. Pollock has a home run. Uh, Cody Bellinger has a home run. Jock Peterson has two home runs. I mean, just up and down, the Dodgers just destroy Chris Paddock. And that's another thing that Padres fans just don't seem to understand. This guy is not that dude. Like, this guy is not anywhere near the conversation of Walker Bueller or Clayton Kershaw, this guy is... Or Dustin May, or Tony Gonsolin. Or any of the Dodgers pitchers, exactly. And I do hope that the Dodgers do face Clevenger, because after San Diego just sort of made these, like, un, like a flurry of moves at the deadline, they were going all in, and they got Mike Clevenger, their prized possession, and he's not been great. I just hope that the Dodgers destroy him. Not, I don't think any of the Dodgers have ever faced Clevenger, except for Mookie Betts when he played for the Red Sox and Clevenger, obviously on the Indians and Mookie Betts is four for seven, which is a 571 batting average four RBIs and a triple. So he destroys Clevenger, small sample size, but still, I think that uh, if he goes, uh, it'll be, it'll be a show showdown between him and Mookie Betts. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about Lamette, not, not a lot of updates. And uh, the manager Chase Tingler was sort of saying that his, rotation is going to be announced maybe last minute so we don't we won't really know uh, at least for a day or two yeah he, his quote today was he's prepared to have five bullpen games uh which basically is idiotic i mean if you want to brandon morrow all of your players that's fine but that's, that's and, the, and there are no and there are no off days right so correct it's, it's it would be five straight days well, and one last thing on Chris Paddock. You can, I'm sorry. You can't call yourself the sheriff and then pitch like Paul Blart on the mound. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just can't do it. I cannot stand this guy. <laughs> we can so, you're about- saying, so, you're, so you're saying he's more mall cop than sheriff. Yes. And that's, that's honestly an insult to mall cops. <laughs> <laughs> we can, can talk about uh, Paddock a little more a segue. in a second. But yeah. back to Clevenger. Best case scenario is that he basically pulls a rich hill of last year's NLDS and he just – doesn't have it after 0.2 innings and has to get yanked. I honestly don't think they're going to pitch this guy unless he's actually ready to go. For now, I think they're just playing a lot of mind games. With They won't even announce the game one starter until as late as they're forced to. And, you know, the Padres invested a lot into Clevenger. They gave up a horde of prospects. That's why I think, that's why I think they will start him. I don't, I, think, I don't think they can afford not to start him, honestly. I mean, unless, unless he really is injured and can't play. Like, but if he's able well, that, to pitch, then well, I Well, that's would. what I'm saying. He's got to prove that he's at least healthy enough because I don't think they want to jeopardize that elbow at all. This team, they're, they're built to win, obviously, for the future. 2020 is kind of like the first stepping stone. And to go all in and risk your pitcher in a – series that you're not even favored in I think that would be disastrous especially if you lose Clevenger for two seasons so I think it's only going to really happen if he's proved that he is healthy 
and you know the bullpen getting gassed they might not have a choice because you've mentioned how bad Chris Paddock is and Zach Davies did not look good at all in his start against the Cardinals only made it two innings so they're gonna have we'll talk about the relievers in a second but Chris Paddock you know he's bad I'm not the hardest on him but just some stats that really jumped off the page his curveball grades out as a six out of a hundred which is just embarrassing I mean if you're trying to throw a curveball his exit velocity he's been destroyed it's 10 out of 100 and his barrel is 11 out of 100 hitters are hitting 308 with 10 home runs off his fastball and his cutter and curve have been hit hard as well and then Clevenger he throws a a curveball as well that's been blasted this season hitters are hitting 389 so if he is going to pitch let's hope we see some curveball action from Clevenger. Yeah, and so just Pat, Paddock is essentially Darren Dreifert, right? I mean, without the <laughs> injuries. I mean, Darren Dreifert was was like hyped up to be this the next phenom, and he, he really wasn't, he and he got hurt. Home runs one game. Yeah, well, he should have been like a first baseman. Yeah. All right. So since you mentioned the bullpen, uh, here are the guys they had on their wild card roster. So Trevor Rosenthal is the closer. No relation to me. Uh, Drew Pomeranz and Emilio Pagan are going to be the seventh and eighth inning guys. Matt Strom, a lefty. Uh, Hill's a lefty. Garrett Richards, uh, who has potential to go deeper in the games or possibly start for a few innings. Uh, Pierce Johnson, another back-end guy. Adrian Morion uh, could start, has started this year, left-hander. Craig Stammen, uh, Patino, and then there's Altavilla and Austin Adams, who, if Clevenger and Lamet are available, those guys will likely be left off. Uh, it's a pretty solid Padres bullpen, frankly. Um, they've had their you know hiccups, but overall it's pretty solid. Rosenthal has been very good for them. Uh, Pomeranz has been good, and uh, Pierce Johnson's also been good. 40, 438 bullpen ERA, which ranks 14th versus the Dodgers, which is a 274 bullpen ERA, second in baseball. So yeah, the Padres have a good pitching staff. 386 overall team ERA, that's eighth best in Major League Baseball. And, you know, I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope Lamont isn't able to pitch because he is their best pitcher without a doubt. I feel like I yeah. say that every time. And he, his, he, handle, he handles the Dodgers really well. And he, yes, his slider is maybe the most devastating slider in baseball. Throws it 53% of the time. Opposing batters are hitting 080 against it. So that pitch has worked wonders for him this season. Yeah, I think he went seven innings and gave up one run the last time he faced the Dodgers. Yeah, and he, and he struck out 11. Yeah, so yeah, that's he's a talented guy without a doubt. Dodgers, on the other hand, they've announced their game one and game two starter. We've kind of already touched on it. Walker Bueller, game one. Clayton Kershaw, game two. To make it short and sweet, this is the way to go. Hopefully, Bueller is able to go past four innings this time. I am a bit concerned about his blister on that finger. It looked pretty rough in the last outing. And that D-bag, Eduardo Perez, just wanted to keep pointing it out and accusing the Dodgers of cheating. What do you know? ESPN ignoring the Astros, sweeping it under the rug, but now the Dodgers all of a sudden are cheaters. Well, we're done with ESPN now. No more games are on ESPN, Yes, thank, thank God. God. Joe Davis is going to be in the booth. We don't, I don't know how many games, but he is set to announce, I think, game one for sure. That's just great. I mean, he's just he's just a good broadcaster. Forget the fact that he's the Dodgers broadcaster. He is a really good, fair broadcaster, and he's really smart, and he prepares like hell, and he doesn't make mistakes like we saw on ESPN. Holy <laughs> cow. 
It was rough. Um, okay. They don't even like talking about the game that's actually being played. Uh, no, they from don't. What they I, hate from it. What I, yeah. Let's talk about some Dodgers bats in a second, but the perfect transition comes from our last question. This is one of two. We'll do this one first. What's going to be the deciding factor for the Dodgers to win this series? And I'll start this one off because this stat really jumped off the page to me. In the sixth inning, the Padres pitching staff has a 525 ERA. In the seventh inning, 458 for the Padres. And in the eighth inning, 450 ERA. So I think my keys to how this Dodgers is going to win this series, don't be discouraged if they are not scoring runs innings one through five. They have to have a mentality like we're the team that can come back. And if they even get the lead, do not um, – do not take your foot off the gas because we already kind of covered the Padres are the comeback story. So this Dodgers team for me, I think the late innings, we're going to see one or two games where just something magical happens and someone's going to hit a big home run or they're going to rally and score three runs or put up a crooked number. So just keep an eye out on those three innings I listed. That is where the Padres have been weakest all season long. Yeah, My key the- is – go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say that uh, it, it works perfectly in, in the Dodgers' favor because this season they scored a ton of their runs late in games. So point. that is something to keep in mind as well. But it would be nice for them to get going as early as possible because of what we were talking about earlier, the Padres' ability to just put up, a, you know, equally can put up a, a crooked number. So – I just I really hope that the, the, the Dodgers can can get off the, the schneid a little bit offensively. Dave Roberts mentioned that Max Muncy is still going to be hitting in the middle of the order. I don't really know how I feel about that, even though Max Muncy does grind out at bats. He gets walks and stuff like that, but he's just not hitting well. And and I and I hope that um, that Justin Turner um, figures it out too because he's been one of our you know most consistent bats in the postseason so I I can't imagine that he is going to continue to be hitless in the postseason so hopefully he can get he can get it going again that's going to be the key because we know Betts and Seager are just you know they're they're good to go they're locked in from from the first day of the season up through now they've been locked in it's just a matter of the middle of that order can they come through and will Bellinger be moved up? I don't know. Is Will Smith going to be batting fifth again? I don't know. He's kind of uh, gone cold a little bit. So, yes, to me, it, the, the key to this series is the middle of that Dodgers order. All right, yeah, and let me interrupt. Speaking of Justin Turner, he is my pick to shine in this series for two reasons. Lifetime against the Padres, he's batting three hundred two with an eight eighty two on OPS. And in the NLDS, I, he might as well just be called Mr. NLDS. That – that should just be his nickname from all Dodgers fans. Lifetime 393 hitter with a 1.152 OPS. Justin Turner, for whatever reason, this is his round to just break out. And I think he'll do it again against the Padres. My key is very simple. I do not care about scoring runs in the first through third innings. All I care about is long at-bats. Yeah. I want them to drive up this pitch count. I want them to wear down this Padres pitching staff. I want 40 to 50 to 60 pitches through three innings for every single Padres, every single game this series. I, I want to see a lot of pitchers, and I want to see a lot of pitches. Foul balls and balls are our best friend in innings one through three. Uh, we've seen the Padres rely on this bullpen more than basically any other team at this point due to injuries. Um, 
And if we can get into that bullpen early, uh, they're going to be worn down, period. Uh, it's five games in five days. They're going to use them like there's no tomorrow. Uh, and eventually they'll falter. They will. The key is wearing them down early. All right. Well, the next thing I would like to quickly address is a lot of Max Muncy hate online. And I don't honestly understand why. Now, I understand to an extent there's some frustration because Max Muncy hasn't been himself this season. But I even saw on a Dodger fan site, I think they're called like Dodger, Dodger Lard or something, they said <laughs> Max Muncy doesn't deserve to be on the postseason roster. Well, that's ridiculous. Exactly. That's one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen in my entire life. And so... Ever? What, ever, Kevin? Yeah, ever. This, the guy had three home runs in the NLDS last season. So, I mean, this begs the question because a lot of people think to... A lot of people think they have the answer of who should bat cleanup, yet no one seems to suggest any other candidate. And I know I even said it a few weeks ago, Muncy shouldn't be hitting cleanup, but at this point, you know, it's working. The Dodgers are winning, and I honestly can't think of who we replace them because, I mean, the one thing Muncy does do well is he works the count, which was one of the key points yeah. David said earlier. He's great at that. He's going to work out six, seven pitch at-bats, even if they don't result in hits. I'll still take it over a first pitch swinging fly ball out. Yeah, how are we even addressing this right now? Is, is, was that a serious take that someone said that Max Muncy maybe shouldn't be on the playoff roster? Like, are, how are we even talking about this? Like, are we surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy? They also yes. said uh, Kenley Jansen doesn't deserve it either, but we can talk about him shortly. Also idiotic. So dumb. Uh, to, to the Muncy point, I, I just think that obviously he has been struggling this year. We've, we've all talked about, you know, the broken finger at the beginning of the year. He still hit 12 homers, and he's still, you know, a, a dangerous bat to face. He is a, is a guy that sees a lot of pitches, like we mentioned, and when you see a lot of pitches, you also see a lot of mistakes. And so when he is able to capitalize on those mistakes and come out of his shell – Look out, because I think that he has, a, has the potential to uh, carry this offense at times. He hasn't shown that this, this season overall, but there have been a few games where he has really powered this team to victory. Now, in terms of who should hit fourth, That's maybe, a fair argument. You, know, That's a, you can argue that he shouldn't hit fourth. That's right. fair. I, I, think, I think the only other – Who's going to hit other, fourth? The only other Bellinger. Can, yeah, I was going to say Cody, Cody Bellinger. See, the problem with batting him fourth is he's been struggling all season batting fourth as opposed to when he was hitting sixth, all of a sudden they kind of lit a fire underneath him. So do we really want to put Bellinger at risk and becoming a non-factor again? Because it didn't work out last postseason as well. Uh, frankly, I don't care which one hits where as long as they're both in the lineup. Because uh, yeah. you start them no matter what. If they're 0 for their last 50, you start them, period. Uh, I mean, this is not this is not a debate. It's really not. And, and who would you even replace Muncie with on the roster, Gavin I don't Lux? Know. Like, no, no, I mean, I'm not even going to entertain the Muncie on the roster spot because um, it's just so stupid. Like, it's so dumb that we're even. Talking. It's one thing. It's one thing to say that he shouldn't get. He shouldn't start every day, which I still think is stupid because I do think he should it start is every day. To say that, yes, but it's it's even more it's even more moronic to say that he shouldn't be on the roster at all like that please it's, i'm a firm believer in narratives and muncie is a texas guy going back to texas and he also homered in this ballpark earlier this season 
Baylor. I like it. And Kershaw yeah, and, is from Texas too, just saying. Another guy we haven't brought up yet is, is Jock Peterson, um, who has made the trip to Texas. So there was a lot of doubts um, given the family situation right now. Uh, so he is with the team. His family is with the team, which is, should be hopefully good news on the, on the family front. Um, but I'm going to call my shot now. If the Padres have the balls to start Chris Paddock, Jock Peterson will not only be in the lineup, he will hit a home run. I will tell you, I, you can take that to the bank. If Paddock starts and Peterson's in the lineup, that's at least one run for the Dodgers via the home run. Yes, also, he struggled this year. Yes, the, <laughs> the struggles are, are well documented this year. Uh, yes, he's, he's had poor postseasons in the past. Yes, but he's also had very, very MVP-worthy postseasons in the past as well. Uh, this is a dude who isn't scared of the moment. Yeah, he might not perform well, but he could. And he's capable of rolling out of bed, hitting two home runs like nothing ever happened. If Paddock starts, he will hit a home run. Okay, well, Jocktober, as they like to call it, it's a hoax. It does not exist. Peterson had like two or three good series in his entire postseason career. Overall, he's a 323 on base guy. His OPS is what, in the 800s? Slightly above average. Nothing spectacular. How many like home two- runs he's got? I think he has, what, six? Kevin, how many of our players do well in the postseason? Thank you. Like, aside from Justin Turner, Bellinger, uh, Seager? Well, here's my outfield. Seven home runs for Jock in the postseason. Yes, he's had some good ones, but he's also had some series where he was completely irrelevant, like the Red Sox and the Cubs. But back to my point I'm trying to make, I just don't think there's room for Jock if the outfield is – Pollock, Bellinger, and Betts, or Taylor, whatever. And the DH, this is where I call my shot. I think the X factor in this lineup is going to be Edwin Rios. I think he's going to have a big series, and I think he's going to hit one huge dong that's just going to send an earthquake in Texas. Can I just say, make one point about Edwin Rios versus Zach Davies? Edwin Rios is three for five with a home run. So he's got to be there. And, yeah, Jock Peterson, I mean, I love the guy in the past. Could roll out of bed, like you said, but not this season. He's really struggled against every team except the Angels. That's maybe because their pitching is just laughable. I think this season he batted like 143 against the Padres with one or two home runs. It's just not enough for me. I, I cannot do home run or bust with these type of players. You have to prove you can hit the ball in all types of parts of the field, singles, doubles, triples, whatever. you got to work the count. And Jock is just not that guy anymore. And maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I think we have just too many other better options at this point. And we won 43 games for a reason, and it wasn't because of Jock Peterson. Just just on the Jock train since we're here, Jock, just this season, Jock has homered off Chris Paddock, Garrett Richards, and Luis Patino. That's three pitchers who we'll probably see in the postseason. Uh, and I'm telling you now, I bet you Jock Peterson has like four at bats this series and one at least one will be a home run all right we'll see and then we'll revisit it next week or so uh the final thing i want to mention you know the other guys Corey seager i think he'll continue to hit a hot stick he kind of struggled against the Padres this year i think he batted barely above 200 as did max muncie he wasn't too great either but we already talked about him I think Cody Bellinger, this could be his series to shine. He's had a lot of postseason demons in the past, but 
he's very familiar with the Padres, and he hasn't been as familiar with an, uh, a postseason opponent ever. So this is probably Bellinger's time to really break through. And maybe he – they don't really do an NLDS MVP, but maybe he's the guy. I also like the fact that the Padres have virtually – I think all of their starters are right-handed, right? I mean, yes. I don't think they're going to Well, start- yeah, they could start Morion, who's lefty, or Strom, who's lefty, but that would only be for a few innings. So not right. really a, a true starter. So that's – I mean, that bodes well because we don't – historically, we don't really hit lefties that well. Right. All right, so the last thing, Kenley Jansen, what are your guys' thoughts? Who should close – give the analysis, et cetera. I mean, I liked what Roberts did in game two there, uh, you know, not pitching Jansen on a back-to-back after Jansen looked pretty shaky in terms of velocity and command in game one. Uh, so I think, I think it's, you take it game by game, you assess the situation, you look at the matchups, you look at the score uh, and you mix in different guys. Uh, if Trinan's available, I'd like to see him get a shot. If Gr- uh, Gratterall's available, he did well in that outing. Uh, there's a bunch of guys they can use. Gonzalez. Uh, so was, I like this closer by committee approach. I really do. I'm not saying, you know, throw Kenley Jansen in the trash. Uh, I'm just saying reassess game by game. Kenley Jansen's earned the right to be here. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's the anchor of this bullpen. He's been our closer for a, a while now. But I've, I've been on the closer by committee train since the beginning of the postseason, and I always thought that they should take it game by game. And I did like the way Roberts handled uh, the, the game two with Bruce Dark Gratterall. Like, that was awesome. I want to see more of that. I, I think recognizing when Kenley doesn't have it I like the fact that they had someone up and ready just in case things would, you know, were to go south. I think you got to do that with, with pretty much everybody, but especially yeah. Kenley Jansen. Yeah. When he gets up in the ninth inning, especially against this Padres team, where the 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 one 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 of the saves that I that comes to mind is was that Chris Taylor miracle double play from left yeah. field. Bailed him out. That that had the that had the potential to be a complete disaster. So I think especially in this series with the Padres having just, you know, guys that can just kill you, you got to have someone up and ready when Kenley comes into the game. Yeah. What Dave, you know, Dave Roberts got, you know, the the nickname captain hook this year uh, for his constant pitching changes, particularly of the young guys who were, you know, after five innings or 75 pitches, he needs to have that approach in in terms of relievers this throughout the postseason. Yeah. Uh, We've seen it. We've seen it too often where he just, Makes the wrong decision. He's got to have a quick hook. And and one more thing, I believe Dave Roberts said that he talked to Kenley about this, and Kenley is on board. So you don't yes. have to worry about hurting his feelings or anything. No, he's, he's the ultimate team guy. He's he'll be on. He just wants a ring. Yeah, he got paid. He doesn't have to worry about compiling all those saves anymore. The one thing that did kind of concern me was Kenley Jansen in that game one was throwing eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, that was and rough. First Roberts wasn't too confident in what he saw but then apparently he reviewed the footage and he liked what he saw I don't really know how you know I don't think he did I think he saw how his quote was perceived in the media and Dave Roberts is too nice of a guy to be like yeah that actually I reviewed it and it looks awful like he's not going to say that to any of his players Uh, so I think he was just kind of like you know doing some damage control not trying to damage Kenley's confidence but you know he's not that dumb it looked bad Kevin Cash, manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, might be my favorite guy in the business. He invented the opener role, essentially. And then he, this season, he wasn't committed to a closer. He had 12 or 13 different guys record a save. And I like that. I think the closer role is outdated at this point. 
You know, you guys already kind of touched on it. Just go with the best matchup possible. So if it's going to be Jansen for one game and then Trine in another game and Cleric another game, then you just do that and you move on. You don't overthink things. You just go with the best possible matchups you can go with. The good news yeah. is the good news is that is that the Dodgers have a number of pitchers who have closed before or have closer closing experience or have closing potential. So that's you know something that the Dodgers bullpen is built for a bullpen by committee or a closer by committee. Definitely, and uh, I don't know if we've touched on this yet, but but Roberts basically you know implied that Dylan Flora will be on the roster, uh, and in terms of you know roster moves, I think this will be the end of the Terrence Gore stint uh i think it's either going to be him or they'll just not carry three catchers so it'll be either him terrence gore or kyber ruiz uh for dylan floro because they are going to carry an extra pitcher this round uh given it's a five-game series and in terms of other possible roster turnover i could see them putting on lux instead of matt Beatty. uh but other than that i think they're going to stick with what they got I feel bad for Terrence Gore. <laughs> he was on the roster at the beginning of the season, and the only time he got in the game was when they were playing the Astros, and they pinch ran him at third base. Like he knows his role. He's been in the league a while. He's he's he knows his role. I know, but like, what's the point if the guy's already at third? Whatever. I just feel bad for the dude. Dave Roberts is just trying to live vicariously through him, just throwing it back to his Red Sox stolen base days. Was Roberts safe or out? <laughs> he was safe, but uh, also Gore is a World Series champion, worth mentioning with the Royals in 2015. So he brings a lot of wisdom, and I'm sure that's exactly what the Roberts mentality was. Yeah, just kidding. Oh, he seems but, like a good. He's no, he actually does seem exactly like a very knowledgeable person. He's been around for a while. Seems like Anyone? an actual team player. All right, guys, it's time to do our final thoughts. Whether it's a quick out of left field, or you just want to say your final thoughts, bring it on right now. Go ahead, Jake. All right. So this is the series that the Dodgers, whatever happens in this series, I believe this team, whichever team wins, is going to the World Series. I think this is the hardest part of the pathway to the World Series is through the San Diego Padres. Because I look at the other teams, the Marlins and the Braves, and I think that both the Dodgers and the Padres are much better teams than those teams. So this is a pivotal series, not only to advance to the World Series, but also to shut down those Padres fans that have been chirping all season long. And yes, they have a right to be excited, but don't act like you've won anything until you actually do. And I'm not just talking about beating the Dodgers in this round. Don't talk about anything unless you've won a World Series. The Dodgers have won six, you've won zero, so it's time to calm down. I also found out that it's pretty interesting that this is the first time ever in the history of baseball where the Dodgers and Padres will meet in the postseason. Well, which is, yeah, the which, Padres don't make the playoffs. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm glad I teed that up for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can continue. I'm, I... No, that was it. That was, my, that was the end of my final okay. thoughts. All right. Um, my final thoughts are, I think this is going to be a close series. Uh, I predict I was the only, I think I was the only one of us three who predicted Dodgers in two. Uh, and I think this goes five. I, I brings me no pleasure to say it, uh, but the Padres are a good team. Uh, you know, they're bound to score some runs at some point. Uh, so I think this goes five. I think if the Dodgers hit and if they 
work the count. If they can wear down this bullpen and wear down these starting pitchers, I think they get it done. Uh, it's basically that simple for me. As I, the first three innings, like I said, I'm going to be standing up on the couch for nine pitch at-bats. I'm going to be running around for a 30-pitch inning. Uh, that is the key to this series. They don't, we don't know what pitchers they're going to have available. And even if Clevenger and, and Lamet are available, they're not going to be in their full capacity. Uh, so they just have to wear down this pitching staff. The runs will come if they do that. Yep. Closing it out. I'm not giving any serious predictions this season. I've avoided it, and I'm just going to continue to do that. I don't, I'm not going to say who wins the series, but what, what I will say is I think this series is not going to be as close as people think. And I, I really mean that. You know, I kind of think back to when the Dodgers played the 2017 Diamondbacks and the D-backs fans when they existed for their two years or whatever. We're all online. They're like, we're the better team now. We're the dynasty of the future. We own you guys. And what did the Dodgers do? They swept them. It was a piece of cake. And that team, it wasn't a bad team either. I mean, they had Zach Greinke, Robbie Ray, who was good then. Um, hey, Goldschmidt, Patrick, right? Uh, yeah, and then I was going to say uh, – a really good bullpen too. But yes, on the offensive side, Paul Goldschmidt, who killed the Dodgers more than anyone. JD Martinez, who literally hit a three home run game against the Dodgers that year. They managed to really shut him down. They had Kettle Marte, who was just getting started in his prime. Um, and then Jake Lamb, when he was actually good, along with some other guys. So why does that matter now? I think the Padres they're going to hold they're going to be long, uh, they're going to be around longer than what the Diamondbacks were for sure just given how many prospects they are they have and where they're set up but they're not anywhere near close to what the Dodgers are at this moment in time first of all the Padres have minimal postseason experience while the Dodgers have been to two world series i mean almost everyone in that lineup at this point so i think there's going to be a game where it's a complete blowout I'm predicting the Dodgers will win one of these three games by 10 plus runs. I like it. I like the optimism. I'd love to see it. So thank you guys for listening to the incline. Hopefully we'll be back to record the NLCS preview show, which will be the winner of the Braves and the Marlins, which is basically the NLDS. It's it's cute. Rob Manfred is just all just playing the NLCS during the division series. That's cool. Yeah. So subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter. We hope you have a fun series and go Dodgers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.